Hi, welcome to episode 13 of Talk About the Passion, a weekly podcast where I talk to creative folks about their journey to how they got where they are now, whether in music, writing, tattooing, filmmaking, anything really. Uh, I'm going to make this intro quick this week because I'm feeling a little uh, under the weather. Uh, but when I first started thinking about doing this podcast and where I wanted to go with it, I made a list of about 50 people I'd love to talk to, and uh, Mark McKay was uh, right at the top of that list. And uh, I've known Mark for a big chunk of my life, and you know he's always been a smart and engaging person to talk to. And you know if you know him, you definitely know that he's uh, knowledgeable and definitely enthusiastic about uh, the music he's passionate about. So I definitely is a perfect guest for this podcast. Uh, Mark's probably best known for his time as a founding member of uh, the Boston Straight Edge hardcore band Slapshot, and. Uh, for me, you know, they reinvigorated the hardcore scene and, you know, they pretty much pioneered the second wave, I guess you'd call it, of uh, straight-edge bands. Or at least were right there at the front along with uh, bands like Youth Today and Uniform Choice. Uh, we, of course, talk a, a bit about his time in Slapshot, but there's more the, to mark than just Slapshot. So we go through uh, quite a bit of stuff. And, uh, of course, like almost every episode so far of this uh, podcast, we talk about KISS. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. Uh, if you want to follow me on social media, uh, I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash T-A-T-P podcast. Uh, I just started an Instagram page, and uh, I'm going to be putting uh, pictures up, and some pictures uh, that'll be related to this specific episode will be on there. So uh, I, I would definitely check that out. And uh, and I'm on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is T-A-T-P pod. And uh, the Instagram is uh, at T-A-T-P podcast. And, of course, uh, talkaboutthepassion.podbean.com is the main site where all the uh, episodes sit. So, uh, And uh, if you or someone you know should be on the podcast, please don't uh, hesitate to contact me at one of those places. And, uh, again, if you're listening on iTunes and have a second, why not give me a rating? I'd appreciate it and uh, appreciate the feedback, positive or negative. All right, I'll, I'll get out of your hair now, and uh, let's start episode 13, and uh, thanks for listening. So, uh, welcome to Talk About the Passion. Uh, I'm here with my friend Mark McKay, uh, who I've known for over 30 years now, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And uh, thanks for coming out here and doing this. It's uh, about two degrees here in Massachusetts <laughs> today, so uh, it's uh, it's nice to have you here. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you, you did you grow up in Malden, Massachusetts? I did. Yeah. I did, yeah. Um, it was... Uh, a, a, an interesting place to grow up. Um, there was there was quite a bit of um, interesting characters around. So yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a good town though at yeah. the time. And did you to kill boredom? Were you a music kid? So you started getting absolutely. Yeah. The music was the escape. It was the um, uh, pretty much everything. Honestly. Yeah. yeah, bike riding and yeah. skateboarding and uh, music. Yeah. Did you have a, a person in your life that sort of? opened you up to certain types of music or anything like that um yeah absolutely there was um um my older brother was probably my greatest teacher yeah um but we were pretty fortunate we had um we had um right next door to us there was a house and these two hippie guys lived there mm -hmm. with their mom i think she lived upstairs and they lived downstairs or vice versa and um it was that was sort of a um, a meeting place for all their kind of friends, right, right? Who you know turns out were probably like bikers or something. Yeah, but yeah. they were they were always cool to the neighborhood kids, right, right? They kept the cellar door open, so yeah. and they were always playing records. So we'd go in there and hang out, yeah. And nice folks, yeah. So you know, nineteen seventy one, seventy two, seventy three. When I'm in first, second, third grade, mm -hmm. over their house listening to Black Sabbath and yeah. Jethro Tull and like. That stuff mm -hmm. um, that, you know, you kind of find, 
I think much later in life. Yeah. So I was like a little kid listening to Emerson Lake and Palmer and just, you know, just <laughs> yeah, yeah. getting that education early. So, right. um, um, so that was really cool. And, and talk about a wild world to be in, you know, hanging out with these much older hippie guys who were being very cool. Right. And, um, um, you know, learning about all this great music. Yeah. Is that where you, you heard about Rush? Is there a Rush guy? Uh, Rush, uh, Rush came a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, I am definitely a Rush guy. Yeah. Rush came a little bit later. Um, I was already kind of into um, a little bit, a little bit later stuff. I think Van Halen and yeah. um, Boston and that kind of stuff. Right. And my brother uh, went to see Rush at the Opera House in Boston. This was probably 1978 or 79 or something. Oh, wow. so like um, Hemispheres or yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it was Hemispheres tour. Yeah. As a matter of fact, and we'd heard. Um, uh, you know, twenty one twelve and all that stuff, but didn't seem to be, you know, a, a huge thing with me. It right, just kind of right. clicked after he came back and yeah, and started telling me stories about the show and everything. Right. I was like, yeah. oh, wow, that sounds really cool. So yeah, yeah. T- I started looking at him with different eyes, and that's, right, right. I think it it just it clicked with me at that yeah. point. So that would be a tough record to get into for like your first Rush album. Too. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Be, <laughs> right. So, right. That, but I think about them, it was like. They represented something like like when you listen to, um, you know, Black Sabbath or Aerosmith or something like that. You get you get a really kind of like, um, bass heavy response. You yeah, know? yeah. When you listen to Rush, you're like you're kind of in the cosmos. It's yeah, totally yeah, weird. Yeah, you know? yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah everything. Very, very Tolkien esque, I yeah, guess. And yeah, that definitely. Was, that was I think why that was kind of a sea change for me too. Is once you start listening and what they're saying and looking at the album covers going this is really weird yeah, but yeah. there's something infinitely cool about it yeah so. yeah nice. yeah did you have any uh like life-changing records that you heard and then you kind of turned a corner oh many many yeah, yeah. what were I, some of the first ones i was thinking about that on the way here because um you know i, I grabbed a bunch of cds to listen to in the car on the way here mm-hmm. and um i grabbed pet sounds which was yeah. one of my um uh, um life changers yeah um, Springsteen Born to Run was a total game changer for me and um, I still listen to it probably once a week it just it's one of those yeah, yeah. <laughs> those things you just oh, I yeah. can't stop listening to it yeah um, Van Halen 2 for some reason yeah really I'm was, a big fan of Van yeah, Halen was, was really a game changer for me yeah um, and um, I think 2112 is, is another one. Yeah. I'm not even touching on the punk stuff at this point. Yeah, it's yeah. just like, you right, know, the right. earlier stuff. Yeah. Uh, Emerson Lake and Palmer Brain Salad Surgery was another one that yeah. just blew my mind. Yeah. Blew yeah. my young mind. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, and I still listen to these to this day. You yeah, know? yeah. So they, they, they yeah. obviously had some staying power. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, when you look, was Kiss also, because you're also a Kiss fan. Oh, you know, was, yeah, Kiss was, Kiss was... You know, these other bands, they like I listened to them and I loved them and they were game changers and all that stuff. But Kiss was like always in the stratosphere for me. Like, right. you, no matter what you're listening to, or you always, I always went back to Kiss. Yeah, yeah. So they were the, the mainstay, the constant yeah. since 1973 or 74, right, right. something yeah. like that, you know. I don't remember them being as def- just, uh, divisive as they are now. I feel like nowadays people, and I think it's more because of like Gene Simmons's uh, personality. But I feel like people either despise them or they're fans of Kiss, you know. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I, I mean, I haven't listened to a a Kiss record that was made after probably 1979, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. since, since yeah. then. Um, yeah, yeah. But they still hold, um, you know, me in their sway. They, yeah, yeah. you know, they just, they are what they are. Yeah. And my youth was so um, entwined with kiss and their aesthetic and their think, yeah. music i mean it's just yeah, yeah i think that's things. i think that's how that happens because some stuff i just kind of left behind but kiss is always kind of yep stayed there and they've been brought up in almost every episode of this <laughs> oh really so okay pretty much yeah that's seems... i mean i have a couple of kiss stories i wasn't a member of the kiss army yeah um i didn't see kiss until reunion tour you oh, know okay. i never yeah. i never caught them back in yeah, the day yeah. i wasn't really uh, quote unquote allowed to go to you know big concerts yeah, as, a, yeah. as a kid right um though there was always music playing in my house but a concert was kind of a um a whole other yeah a whole other ball game yeah. right exactly yeah. so when did uh punk rock start to happen for you um i wish i could tell you um i remember my brother telling me about sex pistols yeah when 
Never mind the bollocks he came out in the U.S. Yeah. Um, and citing some of the lyrics for me, and and my reaction was like, what? Like, yeah. What? Right. Why would you want to listen to something right. like that? You know, yeah, yeah. it bodies. was sight unseen. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, that's what he cited was yeah. bodies, and yeah. I can't remember what else. But right. um, um, and but we used to get like Musician Magazine and Cream Magazine because my brother's a musician. Yeah, I oh, am yeah, musician. They were out at Gloucester too. I think. Oh, really? I think. Oh, so. I didn't know that. I think. Yeah. So we always had. There was always music playing in the house. There was always music um, publications in the house. So. Yeah invariably cream would have like a spread on punk rock and have a right. picture of the Ramones in there or something. So yeah. you kind of, you could see it before you could hear it. So, right, right. Uh, so we're reading about it. I'm going, these guys with the torn <laughs> jeans, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, but there were some gateway bands like, um, you know, cheap trick. I, I, you couldn't call them punk, but there was something yeah. completely different about them. About right. Them. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Um, but what I really remember um, there was, um, um, I saw Rock and Roll High School. Yeah. And um, might have been a year after it came out or something. Right. And just seeing the Ramones and hearing that yeah. that that concert section that happens in yeah, there. Yeah. Just going, I have no idea what this <laughs> is, but this is unbelievable. Yeah, so yeah. I right. went out the next day and I bought, um, I, this was probably 1980. I call it 1980 yeah. just because that's when the movie came out. Yeah, so yeah. I went out and bought the 8-track soundtrack to it. Yeah. And played that thing until the, until you know, it broke. Right. Um, so then you start to, there were some other bands on that soundtrack, like Devo. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, maybe talking heads or something. Yeah. So you're like, this is, I, what is this? This is yeah. something completely different. Yeah. So, um, so I'm going to call it 1980 for the yeah. sake of convenience. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, so there's a, a picture of you on, uh, that you've put up on Facebook of you with, uh, Joe Strummer. Oh, and uh, so how old were you when that was taken? I was seventeen years old. Yeah, um, that was taken at the Orpheum Theater. Yeah, um, on the Combat Rock tour in nineteen eighty three. Yeah, September of nineteen eighty three. And I remember it so well because I, I rode in Sharpie on all the Polaroids we took. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. the day and right. Um, you know that was one of those, um, those moments that tested me because. You know, punk rock at that point was fully entrenched in punk rock and discovering hardcore and stuff. Yeah. And it was all about no heroes and, you know, smashing down all these barriers between the bands and all this stuff. And, right. and I'm like, wow, I'm I'm standing here with my arm around Joe Strummer. It feels pretty darn good, you know, yeah, like, yeah. A, like this guy's like a hero, you know. Yeah. And they were very gracious and very cool. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, you know... I. It's kind of surreal, yeah. honestly. I mean, yeah. that that's Joe Strummer, the guy who made all this music that was the soundtrack of my yeah, yeah. high school years, right. you know? Yeah, that was my question was like, was he as important to you at that point in your life? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so was, yeah. yeah they, um, there was this kid I went to uh, high school with. His name was Freddie. Yeah. And um, I went to a Catholic, a Catholic high school for my first year, mm -hmm. 1979 to 1980. And we had to wear like suit jackets and stuff. So he, um, on his suit jacket, he had an armband that said chaos. Yeah. In the middle of this Catholic school. So, yeah. you know, we saw him and went, hmm, I wonder what this is about, yeah. you know? So it turns out, you know, he was emulating Mick Jones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from 1976 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, so we became kind of fast friends and, and he kind of squeaked out a lot of great, yeah. great records and knowledge to us. Uh, I forget where I was going with that, but... Um, he was he was another pivotal yeah uh, point oh the, the clash thing yeah 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 <laughs> they they finally came around on tour that I was able to go right and my folks uh, said yeah yeah sure you can go it's at Cape Cod whatever you know go yeah. with your friends and um, he had met um, them I think at Bonds yeah because um, he just blew off school and just went to Bonds to see yeah, the yeah. Clash for seven yeah, yeah. nights or whatever yeah so he we we met him after the show and he said oh I met these guys. They are traveling with the Clash as caterers, yeah. and they said if we want to um, come to the shows in Boston, they'd get us in. Yeah. So we were like, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> so sure enough, we go to the shows in Boston. We say, yeah, we're here to work with the caterers. So right. we get these backstage passes and and go in and meet the caterers, and they're like, oh, great, thanks for coming. Right. So um, here's what we want you to do. You peel all these potatoes and peel these carrots. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're in the, in the bowels of the Orpheum Theater peeling <laughs> potatoes and stuff for the Clash. Yeah. And then... 
you know, after the dinner was done, we said, they said, oh, go enjoy the show and yeah, come back yeah. and help us clean up. So <laughs> two nights in a row, we got into these sold out shows, yeah. backstage passes. Wow. And we snuck a Polaroid camera and a bunch of film and some yeah, records yeah. in to get signed and That's stuff. Amazing. So, yeah. So that was your first live show, too? No, my first live show was was actually the Bay City Rollers. Oh, okay. Yeah. I saw the Bay City Rollers and <laughs> Sean Cassidy and uh, Andy Gibb. Oh, nice. Yeah, at the um, at the Garden. Yeah, yeah. Um, but my first rock show as a um, adult, yeah, <laughs> that my parents let me go to was uh, Rush oh, uh, nice. at Boston Garden for oh. uh, Permanent Waves. Oh, all right, yeah. nice. Um, that that class show, who opened those shows? Wasn't there a weird opener for? At Cape Cod, there was a very strange uh, band called Pulse Alama that opened. Okay. And I guess, you know, Joe Strummer was dating somebody that was in the band, so okay. they came along. And yeah. They were this really weird kind of like tribal, um, hard to explain. Yeah. You okay. just, just look it up if you're yeah. interested. Yeah, yeah. Pulse Alama. Okay. Um, not very good. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I don't know who opened the Boston shows. You can probably find out. I just yeah, never yeah. thought to because we were yeah. busy peeling potatoes for yeah. the class, <laughs> so I didn't get to see the opener. Yeah. <laughs> So then, uh, hardcore sort of started to sneak into your life a little. Then, yeah, yeah. Um, how did how did that happen? Rocket Records, yeah, um, where we had been going for for years. Um, kind of these probably monthly pilgrimages up there because only yeah. one guy had a car, so we had to make yeah. sure we could get up there. Um, and I was in there one day, and there was these two guys, and they were um, standing at the counter, and this music was just blasting. Like yeah. blasting, and it, was, and it was furious, and it was chaotic, the music. And um, so we're shopping around and kind of looking at the speakers going, what the heck is this? Yeah. And sure enough, it was um, it was Al and Jamie yeah. who were at Rocket Records, Al and Jamie from SSD, yeah. at Rocket Records selling copies of The Kids Will Have Their Say oh, nice. to the store. Oh, that's amazing. So um, I, we went up and and I, I asked them because it was very interesting. I asked, I said, "Hey, is, what is this you're playing?" And these guys said, "Oh, this is our band." So, <laughs> uh, so I think I bought a copy there for like four bucks yeah, yeah. that day or something. So, you know, just took it home and was just like, "This is just out of control." Yeah, yeah. Similar thing happened. I went into Newbury Comics, Newbury Street. Yeah. And they were playing. Um, this is Boston, not L.A. Oh yeah. So. We stayed there to hear the whole thing and right, heard all right. these different hardcore bands, so yeah. bought that immediately for like three bucks. Yeah, yeah. And um, that was it. We just yeah. started looking for anything that that yeah. was of that that ilk, that genre that yeah. we could get our hands on, and you know the stuff was plentiful and it was yeah, yeah. It was always there. Now, were you identifying with Straight Edge at that point? I mean, I knew that was kind of like a new thing with, but were you already? Just, just not into like drinking and drugs. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. at that point, and then mm. so that was kind of a happy accident. I would. Think, it to it find was. This well, it, it, you know, we stopped. Um, I, you know, we used to find beers in the local parks and things like that and drink them. Yeah. Um, and um, we just decided that that was just not a good idea. You right. Know, it right. didn't feel good to be drunk. It didn't. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um, so you know, I, I, I haven't hadn't had a drink at that point since. I was like 16 years old. Yeah, yeah. So when I finally heard Minor Threat, Straight Edge, yeah, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. There's yeah. a name for this, you yeah, know? Yeah. And it's attached right. to this unbelievable music that I love. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that, that at that particular moment, which would have been my senior high school, probably yeah. 82, 83, yeah. um, that I just decided that that was me. I was yeah. a straight edge guy, and, yeah, yeah. and that's the way I was. Yeah, and I think that... that worked good in high school because I think high school in the 80s was there was a culture of like drinking and I was never fully straight edge uh, but through high school I never drank mm -hmm. and I always just kind of thought it was like a jocks thing and yep. just you know and then when I was a senior in high school Chris Jones who was the, the drummer for uh, oh, yeah. Straw Dogs yep. was killed in a drunk driving accident yep. and so that world was just you know, so I think that that fit in perfect for people that just weren't into it, and it was definitely a good other choice. Yeah. That wasn't, and you know, even to this to this day, when I try to explain it to people that aren't in this world, in the hardcore world, I mean, they just they don't necessarily understand it where it's coming from. <clears throat> yeah, we had we had this group, this group of kids. I mean, the high school that I went to was pretty big. Yeah, and there were there were tons of kids there 
who we call burnouts, and they were the kids that smoked pot and drank and yeah. partied and all that stuff. Right. And we, you know, we see them shuffling around the halls and untied work boots and you know <laughs> yeah. just that kind of stuff and yeah, going. Yeah. These kids are going nowhere, man. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So we just thought that you know we drew the parallel, however incorrectly or correctly, I don't know. Yeah. That you know it was due to partying that these kids were you know, bound for nowhere. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. we wanted yeah. to make a difference and, yeah. and have short hair and yeah. make noise. So. And then and the music was, you know, all those bands had a message. And for, like, a teenager, that was awesome to hear. Like, yep. especially, like, when Seven Seconds came along and oh, stuff God, like yeah. that. But, so well, it was who, interesting. Like, the, we just, I had gotten all the Black Sabbaths out of my system as a kid. Yeah. So I was looking for some type of music that had, um, you know, the same kind of excitement for me and yeah, yeah. and it seemed like this punk and hardcore thing actually some of it had a message that was yeah that was good. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Rather than that devil worship heavy metal <laughs> stuff. Do you remember what your the first show you saw that you like sort of blew you away? They used to do a lot of early um matinees at the channel in yeah. Boston. Um and we saw we, we would see bands like Mission of Burma. Yeah. And Richie Parsons, his various bands, that kind yeah. of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mission of Burma was a real early um, kind of mind blow for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was listening to them on the way here too. Yeah. Um, another kind of game changer for me. Oh, definitely. Um, uh, show wise, uh, there's a lot. I mean, yeah. there was, there was no, that I'm... there was that 1982, 83 stretch at the channel where every Sunday there was a matinee. So. Yeah. You know, you saw Circle Jerks and DOA and right. the Misfits and, yeah. you know, all that stuff. Um, there were a lot of Ramon shows that I went to that really, yeah, really blew my mind, too. Um, and those guys, you know, for all their, uh, I guess, internal strife, were super cool. I got to meet them a couple of times. Nice. And they were super cool, really into the fans. Yeah. Um, and not just kind of talking about it. I mean, they, after a show at, like, Salem State College, they invited me and my friend Richard. Mm-hmm after the show to go over to the radio station with yeah. them so oh wow so you know it was almost like a movie playing i'm walking down the street in salem state like after the gig to go over to the radio station with the ramones you know i could hear this soundtrack <laughs> playing in my mind i was like okay this is this is pretty cool but it wasn't that hero worship kind of right, thing because right. i'm like oh i'm just talking to yeah, Ramones. You know? yeah yeah <laughs> that, that's what i think the hardcore scene brought too because even now when i think of sort of the big names in hardcore Ian McKay or Henry Rollins yep. or Keith Morris or whatever I put them in the same world as Paul Stanley and Getty Lee and yep. and same with the artists like Brian Walsby and the guy that did all the Iron Maiden albums they're oh, good the same point. Yeah. like for me anyway they're like just it, but they're approachable people and yep. that's the difference and you know you could go up to you know maybe not Henry Rollins but <laughs> I've, I met him a few times yeah. off and on and some days he was nice to you, and some days he just kind of blow you off. I was just chatting with a friend today about Henry Rollins. Um, she's going to see him speak tonight. Yeah. And I was re- recalling a situation where I did approach Henry at the channel just to say, hey, you know, yeah. thinking like, oh, here's Henry Rollins sitting yeah. alone, you know, right. singing from Black Flag. So I <laughs> sat down next to him and started chatting. Yeah. And he just looked at me with this kind of vacant thing and just said, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, man, see you later. Yeah, he did the same thing to me. I, he was in the 90s. Uh, they were the Rollins band was playing in uh, Lupo's, and Iggy Pop was playing there. I think the next night or something. Mm-hmm. And I had read his book, so I was like, "Oh, I know he loves Iggy Pop. I should tell him <laughs> that Iggy Pop is." For whatever reason, in my twenties, I thought that was so. This was right before they're going on stage. He's standing sort of alone in the shorts. Definitely at that point where yeah. like he's probably in his like don't fucking in talk the to zone. Me. Yeah, right. and I went, I went up to him and I said. <laughs> Hey, man, where are you guys playing tomorrow night? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I guess yeah Okay, it. whatever. And then I kind of learned if he does his spoken word stuff, he's approachable after those. But the music ones, he was always like, you had to get in the zone or whatever. Uh, well, he certainly was an intense performer. You yeah, know? No, definitely. Um, so, and, and I definitely understand, you know, having performed as well. Yeah. Um, you kind of have to get in a, a mindset. And, and my... Having to get in that mindset was like, am I going to remember these songs? Yeah, is yeah, some, is yeah. somebody going to jump on my right, drums right. or something? Yeah, yeah. You know, is some mayhem going to happen? Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, you know, it wasn't. I, I never 
tried to be unapproachable. You know? Yeah, it's yeah. Just like, yeah. You just be honest and say, hey, man, let's be, look, I can't, yeah, yeah. I can't talk right now. I'm freaking <laughs> out, you know? I was yeah. always really nervous before. Yeah, before yeah. Too, so yeah, yeah, definitely. It was important to kind of get in that yeah. zone. So. No, I think that's with any performer on any level is is like that. Right. Um, you want to do a good show. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, yeah, so you played, started playing music as a teenager. Uh, yeah. Was terminally ill. Yeah. Your first uh, band or? Uh, kind of. I never really uh, did any. Uh, terminally was like, it was a band, of course. They, they recorded a couple of demos and that yeah. was, um, it, but it was more like a, um, a collective of just, you know, friends, us like, high school kids and friends that yeah. just hung out. Yeah. Um, and by the time the, um, the drummer left, I didn't know how to play drums, so I tried to play drums, and it yeah, was just yeah. a disaster. So I just helped them book some shows and things yeah. like that, yeah. um, and then they fell apart. But, you know, we all kept in touch. It just didn't seem like it was the thing to do yeah. anymore. Yeah. So um, I, I think just for convenience sake, yeah, I was internally ill, but it's not. But <laughs> it I, wasn't. Like, like I never played a note with them, you know? Yeah, okay. All right. Note. Yeah, I don't think I even... They didn't play many shows, right? No, 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 yeah. not a lot. But yeah. um, there was a couple... The one one kind of big show they did play was the one that uh, those guys booked in Malden at that um, oh that famous that uh, Eagles Hall yeah yeah which was 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 pretty good yeah pretty yeah good show so Slapshot ended up coming along at a point yeah I think in hardcore where a lot of people were getting disillusioned and going different directions there was a lot of metal yeah and sort of hard rock happening in Boston and some of it was bad yeah. <laughs> um, but some of it was great, I you know, and I like, for me anyway personally, the FUs have sort of stood this the test of time yep. with uh, out of all those bands, and, and I, lo- I love all those bands and everything they were doing. But yeah, the scene at that point kind of seemed to just lose its direction and that power of the the early hardcore. So it was so Slapshot came along. Yeah, I mean, back on that, the map, you know, yeah. it was kind of the yeah the the, the our our clarion call to everybody but it was also our <laughs> internal it was telling you how frustrated we were with what was going on yeah. in boston as well yeah um shot again was kind of a um on one hand was kind of a collective of friends too yeah yeah um you know but it was very focused you know when we had our first rehearsal yeah you know choke had like three songs written nice i think it might have been leftover stuff after yeah. the last rites or whatever yeah um, but we, you know, we got together and we were like, oh, well, we can't really play our instruments, but this sounds, this sounds all right, you know, yeah. cause it's, you know, it's just kind of thug rock, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. I think you had told me back on the map was literally the first song you ever learned how to play on drums. Is that Oh yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I learned how to play during Slapshot rehearsals. Yeah. Cause huh. I, I bought the drums. Um, Steve, Steve, Christine and I were hanging out all the time and. He said, oh, "You should play drums so we can get a band together." So <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. "Okay." Yeah. So we literally went to a drum a music store, bought drums, and nice. Um, we started jamming with this uh, guy who lived in Canton, and he wanted to kind of do like a surf punky kind of thing. Okay. And I, I just, I, I couldn't play. Yeah, yeah. I just literally couldn't play. Yeah, yeah. And that stuff is all that up beaten fast. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. So, uh, so we bailed out of that, and um, yeah, there's just nothing going on. So Choke and Steve had been meeting. Yeah. At a supermarket. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh, factually true. They would yeah, meet late nights. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So Steve said, "Let's, you know, Choke wants to get a band together," and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> awesome. Okay, yeah. let's let's do this." No, he's really a nice guy. He's really a nice guy. He kept telling me so. Um, yeah, the rest is just yeah. kind of how it happened. You know, we got together a rehearsal spot. Three of us. We didn't have a bass player at the time. Yeah, and just started putting stuff together. Yeah. And I remember uh, Gitter saying, <laughs> at the time saying Slapshot was the best live band going or something like that. <laughs> and I remember thinking, did they play that? Sh- I thought they had that show at Lupo's coming up. And <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Our first show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Mike was but, <laughs> Mike was was good like that. Yeah, yeah, he was a good promoter. And, yeah, uh, I I feel like I can almost hear his voice in the background vocals on because uh, does he sing backups in that? No. Oh, he doesn't. No. Um, oh, he back on the map. I think the only person who did uh, 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 extra stuff was was probably Hank. Yeah. Okay. Um, that was outside of the band. We were super nervous about. I was super nervous about recording because that was the first time I had 
ever recorded. Yeah, I think yeah. we played one show at that point, or right, maybe, right. maybe two shows at that point. Yeah. So I was very nervous, and there's lots of flubs on the record and things like that from you know that I, I did. Right. Um, so it's kind of. I, it's interesting to hear people say that you know they really enjoy the record because I hear it. Like, oh, you hear this stuff oh that, God, that nobody else hears. <laughs> right, yeah. Exactly. But we we kept it really tight. We recorded really late one weekend. We had hours that ran from like midnight till eight in the morning because oh, it was yeah. cheaper at the recording nice. studio. So, uh, but we banged it out in a weekend and then mixed the next weekend or something. Yeah. And and when you so you kind of talked a little about this in the uh, the new book that came out, the Straight Edge book. Uh, yeah. About, you know, when you had first got together or heard, you know, Steve wanted to get this band together, you had only kind of known Choke from Last Rites, and he was kind of a scary guy at that point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, so how was that first meeting? Were you nervous? Oh, it was super tense. Tense, yeah. Yeah, it was super tense. Um, I wasn't nervous. Yeah. Um, I was a little bit more um, hesitant to kind of bother yeah. because he was, he was such a... Uh, you know what I thought to be a, a, a caustic figure yeah. in the scene, really yeah, divisive yeah. and yeah. and that kind of stuff. And that's not fair because right, I didn't right. I didn't know yeah, the guy. You didn't actually know him. Right? I didn't know the guy, and a, yeah. friend, a, 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 a dear friend of mine was dating him at the time, so yeah. I was like, "There's got to be something with this guy." <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he totally he you know gave me the business the first time we met. He yeah. glared at me from across the room and right. um, you know asked to see my license because he didn't believe my last name was McKay. He thought oh. I was pulling some oh, you know like Ian like McKay kind of thing, oh, you know. Right. So. <laughs> Um, so he was just being a, a, a general menace, but, right, um, right. you know, a couple of meetings after that and, and yeah. we were pretty tight. Yeah. And, the, and on stage, I mean, you guys were one of the tightest, uh, at that, like when you first started, I was like, oh, they really are one of the best live bands. Wow. Thank <laughs> I th- you. I thought it was, uh, you know, so it was, it's, and that's I always, really interesting to me, honestly. Yeah. Um, um, w- w- I, I think we really tried, tried really hard. Yeah. To be a good rock band, yeah, yeah, um, and but but you know the 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 talent level of myself was yeah. was you know nowhere near what it should have been to be to be performing on that yeah. on that level. But yeah, yeah, I don't I, know. I think, thank you. I think for me too, Ed, because I sort of missed the boat by like a year on a lot of that early hard Boston hardcore mm-hmm. anyway, and I had just kind of heard of Choke, and we were kind of talking a little about before when I that's all I knew about him was the cover of. That last rights forty five. Oh, yeah. where he has no shirt on and the beard and. Well, we saw yeah. that show. That was taken at um. That the was only one show they did. Yeah, right? that one yeah. show on Green at the Greenfield Grange. Yeah, and we drove out there to see Dys because you know Dys was the at band. least on stage accepting. Yeah. Uh, positive, all that stuff, and yeah. last rights were playing, and no one could go on the floor. He's swinging this mic stand <laughs> right. into the crowd. The only yeah. person who was near the stage was Jamie. Yeah. And they're playing this music, and I'm like, this, "God, this music is so good." Yeah. But he's such a dick. I couldn't. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. I was like, "I really want to love this band." Yeah, yeah. But look at what he's doing. You right. Know? Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then the hockey stick happened, and the hockey was, stick was, we thought we thought was really funny yeah, because no, with think, the mic stand, it was like, yeah. "Hey, we should have a hockey stick because we're slapshot." <laughs> oh, that's that's so that the was calculated. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it was nice. very calculated. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and then the so the first show you got that I saw you play was uh, the Dag Nasty one at the Rat that I think Embrace was supposed to play. Yep, uh, and they broke up like a you know, and I was so pissed because I was like, I'm finally going to see Ian live, yeah. and then that was it. Right, you want you you know it's Ian McKay, and you yeah. want to see With what faith. he's going to do. You yeah, know? yeah, right. You yeah. want to see what he's going to do. Yeah, because everything ha- has this air of quality and it's just plain awesome yeah yeah so we were looking forward to it as well yeah who uh, who ended up taking their place i don't remember i don't either yeah M- maybe nobody i yeah. don't know or the wrecking crew maybe or i don't even wrecking know psycho who yeah. knows psycho. you know could have yeah. been anybody <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so yeah i don't remember yeah and then uh so you got you guys started touring yeah around and how, how was that did you oh it was good i mean yeah. you know back on the map got some distance um, some physical distance across the country. So we, um, you know, we started kind of going out to like Albany and yeah. Rochester and yeah. didn't really spend too much time going down the South. We actually just, um, um, you know, we were, you know, proximity to our jobs and our families yeah. and stuff kind of kept us, yeah. um, you know, within a short striking distance. But right. we eventually went cross country 
I think it was probably 87 the first time we went cross country. Yeah. And we played three shows. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everything else kind of fell apart yeah, as yeah. we were going. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we made it to California and um, the record had been over there and the response was great. And we yeah. had some really great kids over there. So, nice. um, so we felt like we had, you know, kind of stitched together something right, that was right. okay. Yeah. And did you, was there a reputation with because Slapshot was a Boston band and they kind of, took straight edge to like more of an extreme oh absolutely edge was so i imagine people were kind of on the defensive in some places you played thinking you know who do these guys think they are and um did you experience much of that and not not so much of stuff like that um but it was more like the backlash like the vegan and vegetarian backlash that right. started to get us yeah because once once you know kids started saying well, Slapshot's not true straight edge because, you know, you guys eat meat. We know <laughs> right. you do. We've seen pictures and stuff like that. You talk about it. Right. So we were like, what does that have to do with anything? Right. You know, I, I, so we started really pushing buttons and saying, yeah, yeah. You, know, you know, Boston Mass, where the meat is, men are men and the yeah, meat is red. Yeah, Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> you know, stuff like that to push buttons. Yeah. And, um, you know, we had somebody throw to- tofu at us one night right. and just, you know. Yeah. Stupid stuff like that. I think someone threw uh, <clears throat> change at uh, Uniform Change at one of the uh, shows. Uniform Choice. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Many shows change. I've actually seen them. <laughs> uh, and change. people have been doing that, throwing change at them. <laughs> and um, I, I thought that was really kind of cool, actually, because you can make a couple extra bucks. Yeah, I know, you right? Know? Like, they must. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> like, we got to make a money song now, too, you know? <laughs> um, and there was uh, some stuff in, the, in that Straight Edge book, too, talking about people throwing meat <laughs> so yeah. there was like a little rift between like youth of today and Slapshot, which yeah didn't seem uh real to me but so that that actually existed. it was yeah yeah, yeah it was yeah. very real yeah. um you know we when those guys came across um we um i can't remember the first time i saw them but i probably heard about them from the guys from newport yeah um and seven seconds, I think, put out their for Kevin put out their first EP or something yeah. like that too. So, yeah. so you know, they, they, we felt like we were kind of contemporaries, anyways. Right, right. Because um, we had mutual friends, and yeah. they were playing straight edge hardcore. So, yeah. uh, so we hit it off real good re- yeah. re- and real quick. And um, I don't know if we ever played with Youth of Today, but certainly we had played with bands that were friends of theirs and right. had met them and yeah, stuff yeah. And, and hung out. So. Yeah. So then there was that kind of schism that's talked about in the the Straight Edge book, and I was kind of I was a little disappointed that that was such a focal point in the book. Right, right, yeah. It's almost a almost takes up the whole chapter. Yeah, which, and I'm like, I think there's much more to them than <laughs> this little because I hadn't really heard about it until I read that in the book. I'd kind of heard, and I just always kind of put it to the same as like the early like oh wow Boston yeah. New York rivalry. And yeah. So I just was like, oh, it's probably just some overblown. Thing. No, it was very, it was very real, and it was very, yeah. it, but but to 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 choke, it was it was an affront, you know right, what I mean? Right. But to yeah. me, it was kind of like, wow, these guys were really cool. They yeah, were yeah. our friends, and yeah, so you we had... finally made it to CBGBs, right? To play with these guys. Oh yeah, we did play with them at CBGBs. That's where right. the whole thing started. Yeah. <laughs> so we finally um, got there and play and played, and then there was this whole rift that came up, and yeah. we were just like, wow, that. That's totally wrong. Right, you know, that's right. not what this is about. So, yeah. yeah. I had told uh, my friend uh, Kevin that I was going to open this interview by. I said, should I ask Mark uh, how uh, Youth of Today ripped Jack off and why he hates Bold so much? And he said he should, but I was like, no, I'm going to. Well, I'll wait till we get to that part. But see, that's another. That's just another instance of Slapshot pushing it, you know, right, as right. far as we could possibly yeah. push it, and and then pushing a little bit farther. So, and where did that voicemail show up? Oh, I always thought it was maybe on the Tang. It might have been Tang. Yeah, it might have been Tang, or I want to think Gitter, but it was most likely yeah. Tang. Yeah, yeah, nice. <laughs> and the, <laughs> but so years later, you you know you kind of look back at that stuff and realize how petty it is because those guys are all great, like like the Youth of Today guys. Oh, I'm absolutely. Sure, you know, um, and then Crippled Youth. I remember seeing them the first time they came here, and they just reminded me. It's, Almost came in the same feeling you guys did. It was old school, hardcore. That was, you know, what I wanted to hear. And yeah, you they know, were like twelve years old, or right. however old they were. And I'd like to think that we had, we had something to do with some of these bands, kind of saying, "Well, we can do this too." Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's, 
it doesn't have to be, um, you know, so, um, um, what am I trying, what am I trying to say? I don't, I, I just, we were very happy that, that there was this yeah. proliferation of hardcore, right. this new, yeah, yeah. much younger kids who were yeah. doing it. Cause when Terminal Ill was doing it, we were younger kids too. Yeah, we were yeah. 17 years yeah, old yeah. too. So yeah. to see the youngsters coming up and just really tearing it up was, yeah. was refreshing. So. Yeah. And uh, you sort of began a friendship with Kevin Seconds because, and you know, because they're one of my favorite bands of yeah. all time. And when I first heard them, I was like, "This is like the quintessential hardcore band. This yeah. is like everything I want, uh, lyrically, musically, yep. melodically." And uh, I don't think I had ever met him until years later. Maybe when they played Alston a few years ago, I met mm-hmm. him briefly. But uh, and he's still. Making amazing music, so um. strange you should mention him. I watched last night. I was, I couldn't sleep. I was just goofing around the internet, and I was, a thing came up on Facebook. Kevin Seconds is playing live. Oh yeah. So yeah, his new band, Unsteady Heights. Yeah, they broadcast their first oh, gig nice. last night on Facebook. So I got to spend a, oh, nice. a, a an hour listening to Kevin Seconds. So yeah, yeah. But he he was one of those guys that um, when they came around for the first time, um, you know I was. Slightly intimidated. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was going to speak to him, you know right, what I mean? Right, So I just went up and said, hey, man, thanks for coming. It was, just, you know, because yeah. they were, after Minor Thread, it was seven seconds for me. Right. Because they were just continuing on in that vein. But yeah, yeah, yeah. More like I felt. Yeah, more yeah. More positive, yeah. more, um, you know, inclusionary. And yeah. the music was just furious. So, yeah. so and they I were touching it. on, like, racism and sexism yeah, and stuff. Right. And not many people had touched on sexism yet i don't think at that point correct in that big of a way yep so and then the last song on that album trust you know which is talking about you know what it's like to um you know to have that relationship with somebody that's so deep yeah it's just like wow this isn't screaming in a wall this is talking about yeah yeah. you know the human condition yeah so yeah so that may have been one of the early sort of emo-y type things right right. but again the music's furious yeah yeah you're this oh yeah you know this uh driving really worthy message coming out of something that's blowing your mind it was yeah. just really cool and uh so during slapshot that's sort of when we met and you were working at uh, newberry comics at the time and uh right well my yeah. question for you yeah is you don't get to ask all the questions I yeah no. ask question too. <laughs> all right yeah, is yeah. i don't remember meeting you yeah i don't either we just yeah. always yeah, kind of knew each other you know yeah. so i was wondering if you remember I yeah i don't remember an actual meeting. time but okay. i just remember going into newberry comics and you were in there mm-hmm. And you were the most, like, I knew you from Slapshot, mm. and uh, you were definitely the most approachable, because I didn't, you know, Choke was the scary guy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Steve Ristine, I think, still gets the award for the person in the world who's probably kicked me in the head the most times in my life. Absolutely. Because he was always on top of yep. the crowd. His uh, signature move. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Anastas, I didn't know, or Jamie, I didn't really know, mm-hmm. and uh, Chris, I didn't know. Um, but you were the most approachable guy, and I think uh, I would go into Newberry Comics, and you'd kind of recommend me music. Yeah. We were just talking about music, or yeah. whatever. So, but I, and I think that's gone. That went on for years with like people I still know now, like mm-hmm. our mutual friend Nicole yep. uh, Jake. With she was a Newberry Comics person, yep. I would go in and just talk about music, and that's sort of when I learned that because at that point in my life as a like a teenager, I always assumed like someone's into metal they're a metal guy and that's it and this guy's into hardcore that's but you you know introduced me to some stuff like 4ad cocteau twins and so you were kind of big into a lot of that stuff too yeah you uh, know i couldn't i couldn't live by hardcore i grew up with such a a diverse um um, musical palette you know like we had music playing in the house all the time my folks listening to motown and tom jones and you know doo-wop and things like that so there was all kinds of music. So yeah. to limit yourself, you know, it's like I you, I listened to hardcore most of the time. Yeah, yeah. But there was so much other stuff. Yeah, and yeah. that 4AD stuff really resonated with me because yeah. it was the opposite. Sometimes you couldn't even understand what they were saying. Yeah, and yeah. It didn't matter. You were yeah. looking for that kind of oral experience yeah, yeah. rather than that being punched in the face oh, experience. Yeah, so Yeah, one of my things I always did when I would leave for a long time in the 90s, it was starting to go to a lot more metal type shows it was a lot of those sort of stoner doom that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. when i would leave my ritual was to play dead can dance for the drive home because it would just 
put me in like oh, a better awesome. space to just kind of or the Cocteau Twins, yep. but it was always, usually Dead Can Dance because yep. you just needed to kind of unwind well, after like, and being assaulted. And... Cocteau Twins took you to like this kind of ethereal, weird place. Dead Can Dance almost was. Um, it took you to another time. Yeah, almost, yeah. You oh, know? definitely. The, yeah. the way that music yeah, yeah. sounded, yeah. it was like, is this music from Italian Renaissance? Right, or yeah, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it was really. Yeah. But I think that was you know part of their appeal for me too. Yeah, it's just yeah. they were. You never knew what you were going to yeah. get with Dead Can Dance, so, yeah. but it was always great. Yeah, and then reggae. Uh, you were, and I just thought of this when you mentioned uh, you were getting CDs on the way here. Yeah, I remember you had a picture you put on. Uh, social media years ago with two CD cases and one said reggae and one said not reggae. Oh. <laughs> do those still exist? No, no, no. no I, so. I, I don't know where those ended up. Yeah. Um, they, I may have forgotten to, to take them out of a car that went to the wrecker. Yeah. Um, you know, stupidly. That's but um, <laughs> at, at that particular point, um, I was listening to almost strictly strictly reggae. Yeah. I was, so that, that always... Uh, I didn't think it was strange, but I would just remember thinking, Mark's in this, you know, straight edge band, yeah. and he loves reggae. <laughs> which is... Well, the very first Slapshot show, I had this Mikey Dread T-shirt, yeah. and I wore that performing to the first show. Yeah, it was kind of my way of saying to myself, okay, I'm in this mayhem situation, but um, reggae to me kind of represents like, um, uh, it's almost like grounding. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I was on the way here today. I was listening to Mission of Burma. Yeah. I listened to Pet Sounds. Yeah. I listened to uh, a King Tubby CD, a um, Roots Radix dub CD that was yeah, just, yeah. you know, and that was, that that really, I don't know, it's like the tires on the road, reggae yeah, yeah. for me, for, yeah. for some reason, okay. so, and I still listen to reggae constantly, Yeah. Um, but it was one of those things where when I discovered The Clash, I heard Police and Thieves, and then yeah. I heard um, Pressure Drop, and I was yeah. like, those are great songs, but what is that rhythm, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then when Bank Robber came out on that, um, ten, that inch, ten inch, yeah, yeah. right, exactly. Um, I knew that was something I had to yeah. investigate. Nice. So I'm one of the myriad of people who found reggae through the classroom. Really. Yeah, yeah, I think I might have as well. Mm. And they're one of the like exceptions when people say like uh, white people shouldn't play reggae. I always say, well, the Clash did some reggae. You know, I kind of get what what they're talking about. There is a certain aesthetic of. White people that shouldn't be playing, right? Reggae, but they, they chose so wisely. But, they chose like police and thieves. Yeah, I mean, talk about a universal theme. Oh yeah, you know what I mean for yeah. what they were seeing. Yeah, um, you know, and you hear the stories about the clash. Oh well, we lived in, you know, this area where there was the Notting Hill Carnival and yeah. there was all this mayhem going on. Right, so right. they were kind of living it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And who, who are some of your favorite uh, reggae artists? <sighs> well. I was listening to Jacob Miller on the way here too. I listen to a lot of CDs on the way yeah. here. <laughs> I was listening to Jacob Miller, yep. um, Augustus Paolo, Kintobi. Oh, yeah. yep. um, I do tend to gravitate a little bit more towards the the dub side of things. Yeah. Um, but um, Don Carlos was one that I liked really early, really a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah. Um, Gregory Isaacs. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, the, the you know, the names are. Um, Sort of, they they signify reggae, yeah, you know, yeah. those things. But mm-hmm. those are the ones that really stuck yeah. with me. Uh, did you get to see the Bad Brains early on? Um, I did. I saw the Bad Brains in uh, it was pro- it was nineteen eighty late eighty two eighty three maybe. Yeah. Um, I'm jumping around. <laughs> yeah, they were they were well. The show that I saw was not a great indicator because they were. They were eight hours late to the show. Oh yeah, I think I've heard about yeah. that. Sure. Yeah, so they came out and they they didn't they didn't start playing super aggressive music to start off the set. Yeah, and then I had to leave. Right. So when I finally did see them after that, it was for um, it was like eighty six or something like yeah. that. Oh, when you guys played with them, maybe? Yeah. Well, we played with HR. Yeah. That first show was with oh, yeah, HR, yeah. and yeah. that was that was cool. But it yeah, was, yeah. you know, HR, HR yeah. was kind of funky. Yeah. Um, but then we saw Bad Brains. For, it was like. What was the first album they did when they kind of came? Was it Rock for Rock for Light? And then because one of my most memorable channel shows was you guys uh, with, with Jerry's Kids and them, and that I think that was I Against I era. I Against I, right? Exactly. Yep. And they were great. They were amazing. And I'm glad I didn't get to see that because any time I saw them after that, which was maybe two or three times, yeah. they just weren't very good. Yeah. Um, so I was glad I got to see that. Yeah. 
But I didn't see like you know I didn't see bad brains at streets or anything right. like that where they yeah. just blew everybody's brains out. Yeah, so, yeah. Those are really um, but um, yeah, I guess for all intents and purposes, I did see the bad brains yeah. early, but <laughs> <laughs> wasn't wasn't a fantastic experience. I'm jumping around a little here. But, um, so Slapshot, you ended up. How many records did you play on with them? Oh, I don't know. Um, yeah. Five or six, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And, and then, the Stars and Stripes, too. Yeah. You know, if, uh, friends of mine in uh, Danvers at one point found a box of Stars and Stripes albums behind like a random building. Really? Yeah. I don't know where or how that happened. Danvers, but huh? It was around the time when uh, Al Quint had a, a, a CD store down there with the guy from Boston. <laughs> Remember that him and Sebastian. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they owned a record store. Oh my god! Uh, wow. He, Al does not like to tell that story. He, he sort of had a bad falling out, ah. but but he's publicly talked about it a lot. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it was around that. So I don't know if it has anything to do with it because it was on the same street as that. But hmm. isn't that weird? It's very strange. Um, <laughs> um, you know, Stars and Stripes was a whole other scenario, and I I don't. I, I totally understand why somebody would throw a box of those out, you know. <laughs> I I certainly enjoyed it. And, yeah, and, yeah. But, you know, sometimes an in t- inside joke yeah. uh, doesn't translate well yeah. on the outside. And that that went on, they they did a, a couple of records. And yeah, I played on trips, two with yeah. them, and I think they did a third, and maybe maybe a fourth, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then at one point you just stopped being in Slapshot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just, uh, it was just, it was taking a toll on me, yeah. um, physically, mentally. Yeah. Um, spiritually, you know, yeah, yeah. it really was, it, it sucked the life out of me. Yeah. And it was early on, too, like, I yeah. was, we were feeling the pinch in 1989. Yeah, you know? yeah. It was just, it was too much. Yeah. But we kept on, kept on, kept on. Yeah. And, um, you know, it started affecting my um, my home life, my family, my yeah. sanity, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just, yeah, yeah, just, I just had to get out. Yeah. And it you, was tough though because I went back a couple times. Yeah, know, yeah. No, I watched. Uh, <laughs> I saw. I, I one of my favorite inventions that was YouTube on the TV. So I watched. There was a slapshot show from uh, one of the Philly. Uh, this is hardcore fest that you were playing drums on. Oh my gosh, is that on a, there? Yeah, yeah. It was oh, great. I'd love it to watch really, that. Really good quality of video. Too. Oh wow. Um. So uh, yeah, that was really good. Uh, so it was you and Craig, I guess, was on that. And um, would Craig have been on that lineup? I, I don't think, think so. Good. I think no. that um, you know what, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, honestly. yeah, yeah. But that was such yeah. a fantastic show because yeah. there was like a sea of sea of kids around you. You're yeah, playing yeah. like in yeah, the middle of, of kids and yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd love to check that out. Thank you for reminding yeah. me about that. I'm going to write that down. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anytime I see footage from uh, that uh, those festivals, it reminds me of like, like the cover of the uh, Youth of Today album. That, you're, you're oh around. yeah, I'm in the crowd somewhere. You can kind of see part of my head in that shot. So yeah, we're both awesome. on the cover of that album. Awesome. Um, but yeah, it re- reminds me of that that era of hardcore when it'd be, you know, sometimes it would. I would imagine as a performer, it'd be kind of annoying to <laughs> have like a lot of people on stage. But well, maybe if you're as a drummer because you're it, sitting there. But I've 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 had the drums knocked over. Yeah. I've had people smash into me and yeah. you know that kind of stuff. But I think that was like we were talking about, kind of prepping for a show. Yeah, you you have to you have to get in the zone and say, shit is going to go down. Right, there's going to be stuff yeah. that's going to get broken. Yeah, yeah. You know who knows what's going to happen, yeah. so you got to be prepared for it. And again, we weren't making high art as far as I was right. concerned. So if something happens, right, the drums get broken or something, well, what whatever, right? You know? Yeah, it's all for the. Yeah, it was about the kids, you know. <laughs> and they're still playing. I think uh, the record they put out. Uh, Last year, I think it was great, or yeah. a few years ago, the yep. self-titled one. Yep, uh, it was great. I think they're. I think Craig has uh, put some fuel under them again. And, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Just write some good stuff. So no, I'm happy cool that they're hear. still they're still going. Yeah, um, I filled in a couple of times. They had a drum seat that was vacant a couple of times. Yeah, so I filled in a couple of times, but um, uh, physically, I, I couldn't I couldn't do it so much anymore. It was yeah. really, um, I, I injured my arm. Fair, oh, yeah. Fairly early on, yeah. and uh, never really kind of got better. So, uh, uh, so it's hard to keep up. Yeah, um, but it's always great to see them and to to perform with them is always a, yeah, a yeah. blast. Yeah, but yeah, I just yeah. I can't do it anymore. Yeah, so. yeah. And uh, so it's cool to see that they're still out there. And then you know I, I ran into you at the uh, 
triple X fanzine. Yeah. Uh, released this great book recently that, uh, that Chris and Gator did a, a really cool job on. And there was that show a few weeks ago, uh, Kevin Seconds and the Proletariat. Yep. Um, so it's just cool to see these lifelong friendships that have like formed and f- from music. Yep. And uh, I think people that aren't, I don't know, that that don't have this opportunity to get into like a scene like this, it's... Uh, I don't feel bad for them, but I feel, you know, I feel like we, we experience something like really special and it's, uh, you're absolutely right. It's, uh, you know, that's what it was for me was, yeah. was, the, was that experience and meeting people. And, you know, I, I think every Slapshot interview I ever did, it, you know, I managed to get in there. Well, it's not about the music. It's right. about traveling and it's about meeting people and yeah. making those friendships. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like Kevin seconds, you know what I mean? They just to, bring up that example you were talking about he's one of those guys that um you know god he's the he's the nicest yeah. guy and he's so giving of his time and his talent yeah um and he just started a new band i mean yeah. it's just like yeah you know he does it because he loves it yeah yeah you know it's oh you the, can definitely see that right. in him like right. he does the artwork and uh yep. yeah he's always been out there so it's uh it's cool to see that uh absolutely yeah and uh so you for uh, creativity outlets at this point, uh, you started doing this thing of maybe a couple of years ago called McKay's Story a Day, <laughs> yeah, where you write yeah. these uh, stories, and it's it's great. I think I think it's oh, great. Thanks. So how how did you sort of start that? Um, March of t- 2016, I saw somebody posted that it was National Poetry Month. Okay, and. Um, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I'm, yeah. I'm not really into poetry per se, but, you know, I had done a little bit of writing and kind of goofing around there. So I thought, oh, it would be funny to write a story every day for yeah. National Poetry Month. So right. I said, well, I'm, I'm not a poet, but here's a right. story. Yeah, yeah. So it actually went on for like three three months. Yeah. I just kept going because yeah. it, was, it was fun. You yeah, know, yeah. The response was good. And, yeah. And I felt like I was uh, creating something again. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then I decided that I was going to try in 2017 to do an entire year yeah. where I would write a story every yeah. day. Yeah. So I started, you know, I'm, I'm a week into it and I'm writing these stories. They're a couple paragraphs long and I'm going, oh my God, this is impossible. I yeah. can't keep up. My brain's not yeah. that good. I can't right, keep right. up with this kind of stuff. Yeah. So they got a little bit shorter and then I started making things that were a little bit more mm, poetic, quote yeah, unquote, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um so I actually just finished up the entire year of doing a story slash yeah. poem slash yeah. word salad yeah, yeah. for the entire year. So yeah. um getting getting ready to actually publish that now, self publish that now. Oh really? Yeah. Oh excellent. Yeah. So that's what you I remember you were kinda of talking about you were making some sort of hints at publishing something. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh excellent. I and then I have another thing. This is gonna be the year of publishing for me because yeah. I, I, I'm having such a good time with this particular outlet. Yeah. Um I did a Kind of an artistic fanzine, a quote unquote. God, I wish you could see and see the red in my face rather than hear what I'm saying because it sounds so stupid, pretentious. But um, I did this kind of artistic, goofy fanzine in the uh, late '80s. Yeah, and I just finally got my hands on all copies of that and nice. um, just wrote a, um, I guess, explanation slash apology around it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be self publishing that th- nice. this year as well. Oh, so. excellent. And a couple other things I'm I'm having a good time writing this year. Yeah. So. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And you're a, uh, you read quite a bit. That's uh, one yeah. of your passions. Yes. Yeah. Um, nice. When when I you know when I we were talking about this and um, when I started listening to other people's podcasts, I was like, wow, okay, it's such a great question. Like, what what are what am I passionate about? Right. Right. Um, and I haven't felt really passionate about uh, too much, kind of other than. Um, you know my um, my family, which is right. you know the the thing that um, uh, you know you focus on primarily. Right. But my kids are getting older, right. and um, you know I'm wanting to kind of you know get out there and mix it up a little bit yeah, again. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, you know one of my passions is is reading. Yeah. Um, which is something I got from my kids. Yeah. Nice. I wasn't like a a, a free reader. You yeah. Know, I just when things came across music right. biographies and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But my kids started, uh, you know, I would see my kids, and they've read since day one. You know, nice. we just yeah. always read to them, and they always read, free read. Yeah. 
So I started picking up books and yeah. and reading, going, wow, these kids are onto something, you know. <laughs> so so probably for the past three four years, I've been you know reading probably around 75, 80, 75 books a year or something yeah. like that. So that's great. Yeah, which is it's been unbelievably rewarding. I yeah, found yeah. Yeah. things that I never uh, never mm-hmm. would have come across, like um, one of my favorites, um, like Russian authors. Mm-hmm. Dostoevsky and yeah. Tolstoy and Turgenev and um, you know after you're reading these books whether they're a thousand pages or a hundred pages you know my mind is just blown yeah, you know yeah. like really yeah. blown that um, you know people have the uh, the minds and the the bent to do these things so yeah, right. I wanted to um, um, you know see if I could push something out there of my own not certainly not on that level yeah, but yeah nice. um, but i'm having a good time with it yeah, so it's yeah. fun do you influence your kids musically <laughs> if you uh no any of that no nope yeah no um they don't like the stuff that i like yeah um yeah. they but they love music they yeah, listen yeah. to music all the time but yeah. it tends to be music from music from video games right yeah yeah um you know, Japanese Vocaloid music. I mean, right. really, just stuff. You know, yeah, deep, deep, yeah. weird stuff. No and, slap and shot in there. No, no. You know, I never. I, I, I don't play that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, you know, as far as I, and they don't know much about it. Right. You know, right. They go, oh, my dad was in a band and he right. was crazy in his youth. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, they just they do their own thing. Nice. They read their own stuff. Um, you know, one of the things that we want to do is raise them to be independent yeah yeah um so they're becoming two independent young ladies that's awesome i'm yeah. sure yeah well uh yeah thanks for coming out and doing this man this was uh my, my pleasure yeah i'm glad we great. finally got it together yeah yeah definitely and uh yeah thanks well man. you keep it up yeah chris because this is we're having such a good time listening to all these so thanks man um uh, so I'm very appreciative of you for doing this thanks and we're and and i do this with all the ones where people have come to this house to try to get people to come here, so would you approve of like people? It's pretty. Uh, oh, it's easy to find. Yeah. The atmosphere is great. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just like you're looking out on a beautiful lake and all that stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. It's a gr- it's a great atmosphere. So A plus. <laughs> cool. Thanks, man. Thanks, Christian.